Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. My guest today moved to Dubai from the UK a few years ago in the search of a new career opportunity and a life experience. His journey began in the oil and gas industry, where he worked in the commercial sector focusing on sales and new business. He then decided to make a change and joined Deliveroo as an account manager, and as a result of his talent, hard work, and incredible success, he was able to quickly rise through the ranks and become the head of sales in only two years. He has always had a passion for fitness and personal development, and recently launched his new initiative called WellEd.org, which is a website and blog where he aims to accelerate people's growth journey by providing valuable information and key insights centered around three core values of self-awareness, education, and systems. During this episode, we discuss his career experience working across different industries. He shares with us his motivation for starting WellEd.org and his vision for its future. And we talk about the importance of constantly improving ourselves so that we can be able to further support others in their own growth journey. His commitment and passion for personal development is something that I really resonate with and I truly admire. He has a unique ability to take complex concepts and re-engineer them to create systems in order to achieve his goals. And to remember to be honest and realistic with ourselves and to realize that it's super accessible to make big changes. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Data himself, Mr. Eduardo Rossi. Thank you for having me. Excited. It's a pleasure. So, Eduardo, I mean, you met a few weeks back or maybe a month ago, mm-hmm. and we, we had a coffee and we got so deep into like personal development and so on. So yeah. there's a lot of things that we, we share similarities with. So I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into that today. But I wanted to start, why don't you just give everyone a little bit of background about yourself, where you grew up and how you came to Dubai? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm uh, Italian originally, as, as the name probably suggests, and the, the accent is definitely not Italian. Uh, I was born and raised in London, actually. And then I, uh, I went to McGill in Montreal for university. So, you know, uh, until, uh, uh, yeah, four and a half years. It was meant to be three and a half, but uh, I, I enjoyed myself. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, listen, I, I moved back to London, and I think it's kind of, uh, I, I don't know, people who have lived in other countries can probably relate. You kind of go back to your hometown, and you're a bit like, man, there's there's other stuff out there. And mm. I absolutely adored Canada, and I was like, okay, like, what what, what should I do? I was a bit lost, frankly. Um, I mean, I, I lost my dad in 2011, so I kind of had this, like, year and a half, two-year period where I was, like, you know, came out to London, and I was just a bit, like, trying to figure floating, out. right? And, like, yeah. you know, I... Uh, my extracurricular, shall we say, uh, shined through at university, but definitely my, my GPA wasn't the best. So I knew, like, also I wasn't going to go into, like, I, I couldn't get, like, the traditional corporate roles. So anyways, I had uh, my uncle who had been in Dubai for a few years. He was my um, my dad's uh, brother. Uh, and I've, I've always been tight with my family, but they've always lived in other countries. So it was more like, yeah, you see them Christmas and you see them sure. Easter, whatever. But, you know, we're all very tight still, nonetheless, in terms of always been there for each other. And he kind of just said, why don't you come out here, see what, what's happening, you know, maybe hook you up with some interviews, like uh, what have you. And, 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 you know, there is this idea of getting experience with Africa and it seems really random, but I, in my head I was like, this is a really cool continent with a lot of potential. I know it's like saying Europe or America, but um, you know, this idea of like, there's a lot of opportunity there. And I figured in general, like, listen, I'm not going to get like the traditional corporate role. What I'll lack in GPA I can make up in like a kind of more unorthodox career or getting experience that, you know, sure. the people who have been born and raised in London who went to Oxford who now work in the city, literally have not left let me do something more, something a bit more diverse. I think that will be valuable. So moved out here, had a pretty horrible first job experience like uh, many people in Dubai, but uh, you know, I got to live with my uncle and my three um, 
and my aunt and my three cousins who, you know, at the time were like, what, like three, seven and eight, you know. Um, so I was doing all the school runs and all that. And, and I loved I got super close to my uncle. He's, he's awesome. an absolute G. So he was a lawyer here. Uh, and and I, I learned a lot from him and I still do. And then I moved into a second job. So the whole Africa thing never materialized. The idea was like a, it was a shipping company and I was meant to go live in, in Kenya, but that never really happened. Uh, and then I moved into oil and gas within shipping, uh, where all operations were actually West Africa. So again, the, the plan was actually once I did my orientation to go live in either Congo or Angola. Uh, and then in my orientation, basically, it turned out the commercial team quite liked me, and that's kind of my natural skill set, apparently. Uh, who'd have thought? Um, and so, funnily enough, after my nine, nine months in Geneva as a training, because that's where the company's from, came over to Dubai, and yeah, and basically settle up there and then oil and gas did its thing and then i found deliveroo uh so i've been with them actually four years last friday uh oh, wow. which is yeah which is uh it's mad i did not have gray hair when i started <laughs> uh and honestly i was just like a big fan initially like i was a customer and then i was looking for opportunities and then through a friend i mean at the time delivery didn't have an office it was a shared space um, and so I applied and I had a mutual contact who knew the, you know, our, our GM and so he hooked me up and then, yeah, I guess the rest is, is his history really. I've, I've loved my time at Deliver. It's been an incredible learning curve and phenomenally smart people and it, it's kind of just insanity though, right? Like it's just been a, a bit of a whirlwind, yeah, but, yeah. but a good one. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that brings us to now, I guess. Awesome. That's yeah. awesome, man. So I remember when you so when you joined uh, Deliveroo, you joined them uh, on the commercial side as an account manager, right? So you were in sales for a couple of years first? Yeah, no. So yeah, it was uh, account management, which at Deliveroo is, is pure account management, right? I know like some tech jobs, for instance, the account manager role is very heavily involved in in sales and renewing contracts. It's purely like managing your portfolio. And, and there's a lot of brands, right? Like, I mean... At peak, you might have three, four hundred accounts you're looking after, wow. right? It's like, and also you've got tools to try and make it scalable, but ultimately, if they want, you've got 400 people with your WhatsApp number. So, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah, so it was just standard account management. I joined the commercial team when it was like three of us. I mean, now we're probably, what, 20, 25 at least. Um, yeah, 25, probably closer. Um, and yeah, so then within the account management role, became like a senior account manager, and then it was more like involving like little projects here and there, which I quite enjoyed, and also gave me an opportunity to like realize I'm really shit at project management. I should probably do it. Like my, my my manager at the time put me on a course halfway through. I was trying to launch a project with the airports where you could deliver food to your gate. Um, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we did. It was just like a nightmare. And I was like, God, okay, I need to learn about Gantt charts and stuff. Um, <laughs> and then I actually got into creating virtual brands, which is, I mean, you probably hear about it a bit, but it's essentially, um, you know, you might have a kitchen and you have, your main concept is is whatever, Khaled's, uh, you know, tacos. Uh, <laughs> but actually, you know, you can do a bunch of brands which are customer facing on an app right uh, and I absolutely adored that like it came super naturally to me because I think it was this marriage between I love cooking like I wanted to be a chef at one point I think Italian people just have it in our blood my you mom's do, yeah you'll not find better food than my mom's and and if you do I'll deny it because she'll come <laughs> with a wooden spoon and hit me but um yeah it's like this marriage of like data and um and creativity and which I loved, right? So like working with accounts and, you know, I think delivery is super valuable to restaurants, but being able to go to them and 
really you're adding a tranche to their business, not just like, hey, let's work on like a 5% month-to-month growth. Like, hey, let's build out three brand new branches where if I can quadruple your delivery business in a year. And obviously some people more receptive than others, but when someone's game and they get involved, it's like, it was really cool. And it's kind of like your baby. Um, I actually got offered a role in the UK headquarter office just building brands. Really? Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I turned it down because my, my gut didn't feel right and then I actually met someone who well I proposed during lockdown so clearly it was the right decision it was the right move. Right? Yeah. Um, and funnily enough I mean uh, some departments kind of got dissolved shall we say and this was one of them uh, recently so again I was like okay made the right decision made so, the right decision so yeah and then I moved into a head of sales role more recently yeah. right so that's been almost uh, more than a year and a half again like first management role baptism by fire yeah uh, right huge, huge team initially just you know every quarter things change a lot and that's been yeah it's tricky i think everyone wants to be a manager until they're a manager and then they're like oh wow like this is tricky yeah like there's no book that's really gonna help you prepare you for this it's treat everyone you know each person you got to manage them in a certain way but consistently in that way you know, and it's and it's tough. We've all been on the other side, right? We've been also the the employees who 100%. complain to the manager, <laughs> sure. and, and like so. So that's been a big, big learning curve for sure. Um, yeah, and then yeah, lockdown's been good. I, otherwise, been kind of working on my own on my own projects, and I think you know we'll probably jump into that 100%. at some point. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, uh, I wanted to come back to something you mentioned about um, you listen to your gut. And is that something, is intuition and listening to your gut, is that something that you like to lead by or did that take time over the years to like start trusting it and developing it? I'm Italian by blood, right? And I, and I do, it's funny people say, uh, Arabs as well, right? Like yeah, yeah. just warm blooded creatures. <laughs> yeah. And like, and I feel like we we go with our gut naturally, right? And sometimes I would say too much. So I think, if anything, I wouldn't say learn to use your gut, but learn when maybe to say, okay, my gut feeling is so overpowering enough, fair enough. Let me at least do some kind of pro and con, right? Let, let's let's like see, like, mm, okay. okay, what of this makes sense? Uh, and I think other people are more like hardwired to be quite objective from the start, right? A bit more mm. robotic, shall we say. And there's no right or wrong, I think. It's just, again, it's how you're raised often. Sure. Um, so, so yeah, I think I've gone quite good. I still think gut feeling is, is, is quite powerful and there's something just in your subconscious and your innate Malcolm Gladwell has a book on it called Blink. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he like, he, he talks about different professionals and he like, you can do all the valuations you want, but sometimes there's something about your subconscious that tells you, you like, this is right. Um, but it doesn't hurt to get a second opinion, right? And the same with yourself, right? Sure. My first opinion is my gut. My second opinion is going to be like, okay, is there anything here which like really doesn't make sense? And then you kind of act on it. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. said something that you can sometimes use it maybe or use it too much. Or have, is it, do you have an example of that that you learned from? Yeah, I, I, I think it's just tied to being emotional, right? Like, do you act mm. flippantly? Do you stop and wait and think? I think like, I mean, we, we both spoke about and I, I mean I'll probably mention the chimp paradox like a hundred times in this <laughs> yeah. podcast favorite it's like book. it is literally my favorite book and I think a lot of it has to do essentially for, for anyone who hasn't read it first of all go read it uh, again super easy to read nice big font <laughs> images but it, it will like, just change the way you look at uh, emotions and reactions and essentially says you've got the human and the chimp side of the brain 
chimp will always react 300 times faster. It's more emotional. Uh, so, you know, the asshole that cuts you off on the road, it's the chimp brain that reacts. And it's, oh, you know, and it's like essentially being able to stop or know that the chimp's about to react, that's the right way to do it, right? That's the human side that's mm. basically saying, calm down, first of all, what will getting angry do? So, you know, you go back to this, the circle of control versus concern. So, um, you know, is any of this actually in your control? Does getting angry solve anything? And yeah. you kind of make this, again, weighted decision. So, listen, I'm a, again, warm-blooded creature. Yes, I've overreacted in the past. I think we all have. We all have. But I've gone a lot better at just, first of all, being like, I can't control this. And it's like, and the more you practice this, the more you also pick up on people who don't have it. And it's so funny. Like, I've been on calls with, like, people who are, like, 20 years older than me. And they're, like, losing their shit on stuff. You know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, right? To happen. Mm, and it's, yeah. like, finger pointing. And it's so funny. I was on this call once. And then we have Slack, which is our internal yeah, messaging yeah, Slack, tool. Yeah, Slack, yeah, of course. With, with the sales guy in my team and I was like mate like I was like, telling him this guy's like young he's really good but I was like dude check out the chimp like I was like and then I think I referred to them as the munchkins which is like an internal <laughs> thing I do when someone's like really angry and gets it's kind of like in uh, Waterboy when yeah, you like yeah, think yeah. of something that like that I, I like imagine they're just munchkins and they, but, yeah. but I was like dude like look like their chimp is screaming out right now they're rational part of the brain yeah. and you can't reason a win with the chimp so no. you become better a, at controlling it right you can't control and, and wrestle it rather you just manage and acknowledge the chimp okay my chimp's about to react or it's reacting i'm aware of it right starts with self-awareness awareness, exactly okay what do we do about this right, right. and then the second level is knowing when you're entering a situation or possibly entering a situation where your chimp is likely to lash out that might trigger you yeah so like mm. i know i'm going to enter this meeting that's possibly going to be hostile okay so prepare myself assume the chimp's going to jump out, right? Mm. And I think just being better at that or spotting a situation that is going to likely lead to the, that chimp of yours to, to jump out. Um, yeah. And then there's all the dealing mechanisms, like there's a lot of analogies, breathing that we talked about, which yeah. is the ultimate stress stress buster. So, yeah, it's uh, that's how I deal with the gut, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, that's super, I think that's super informative and it's really useful for like other people to understand. Mm -hmm. Just to, I think, like you said, it just starts with that awareness because yep. awareness gives you the opportunity to control or to change it. But coming back to, uh, you mentioned, because I, I know now you're the head of sales uh, and now you manage the team. And I was thinking about you know my previous jobs, my previous managers. And like you said, you said it very correctly. You're like, Everyone thinks they'll be a great manager until like you yeah. get into management. So there's no like yeah. rules on it. And I've always had that mindset, but I'm like, I must be very naive, you know? <laughs> like for sure. But I feel like in management, because your job is to um, empower people and each person is so different and so unique, I feel it. it's kind of a good mirror for yourself. That's how I see management. Like the people, how you're going to deal with the people is kind of a mirror of maybe some of your either your strengths, your weaknesses. How have you found that experience to be? Listen, it's been tough. I think, uh, again, not having that manager experience and honestly not getting much training um, mm. was was kind of tough initially because I didn't really know what I was doing. And like, I've always been, I've always had like leadership positions right within sports. I was, you know, as president of my fraternity. I can like, yeah, not sound douchey or anything, but <laughs> um, but the point is like, I felt like I've always been like a natural leader in that sense. But then. I think the biggest difficulty is not leading and being around like-minded individuals. And that's been like a really big realization in the last six to 12 months, especially. It's been like managing people who are quite different to you, 
right? And you realize that they click differently, like their brain works differently, they're motivated differently. Like you can't be frustrated, you know, I used to just bang my head against the wall, like why would they do that? Like, you know, I wouldn't do that. And you realize you're not managing a team of athletes, right? They're different to you. So that's, that's been super tough, right? And I think I've worked really hard on that. And, and um, you know, I've, it's funny, like you talk about self-awareness and introspection. Like I look back, I'm like, man, like I don't think I was the nicest person often. I was like, would would you want to be managed by me? And I was like, frankly, no, mm-hmm. right? And I think yeah. you kind of need sometimes that that really upfront feedback. And yeah. I got that from the team, yeah. frankly. And I was like, damn dude i was like i need to change like it's not this is not good for anyone including myself it eats you up as well by the way and that's the thing like it's not just like i'm just a tough guy and it's like to their problem it's like it's not a nice way to live right yeah, like if you have yeah. to be always like kind of stressed etc so i think leading with empathy especially now super important um i think you touched on that i had another guest i forget the name but like you know i think it's not just during these times but in general like you know, is is you go into a one-on-one with someone and like you can tell they're visibly just not having a good time. There's something on their mind. Don't even talk about numbers that session. Just chat. What's up? What are you doing? Like you, you'll 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 get a lot more out of it because a happy productive empl- a happy employee is a productive employee. Hundred percent. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is why I was also you know invested so much time in like the wellness space and and I think making it accessible is is something which I think is hugely lacking in general in the industry is it seems it's like unless you're an athlete unless you're from a certain world or unless you're like super educated it's impor- impossible to access self-awareness and sports and like you mm. know like it's yeah and it's sure me that difficult so yeah now you're working from home right you're, you're more and more part of someone's life right because there's less work-life separation you're taking calls in your living room right you're suddenly in in the living, in the living room with, with them person. yeah yeah um and you know that you know i was thinking about this the other day i was reflecting you know normally in the office we have a very social office like it's a great environment honestly and we have the best social events like it's so much fun um but like you know you've, you've instantly completely eradicated the, the chatter the banter bit right like it's mm. kind of like suddenly and, and that you as a human you still need that you yeah need that social that, connection right yeah so i think it's even more important now as, as time goes on in lockdown it is like um or at least work from home make more time in your catch-ups right mm, yeah i mean how many are you doing right you do you have a team of let's say five to ten people right okay that's five to ten hours out of your week spend 20 minutes out of each one just chatting yeah um so yeah it's a uh, work in progress still for sure, but I think there's been a lot of reflection yeah. on uh, how how would you like to be treated as 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 someone being managed, right? Yeah, I think so. yeah, I think that's the right that's the right question to be yeah, to be yeah. asking. That's what gives you that other you know perspective yeah. or a new perception of it. Yeah. Do you because th- I was speaking to uh, my mom about this the other day? Do you think now, given that we've been in lockdown for a couple months, right? Uh, majority of people are working from home they because they were talking about how they want to start bringing people back into the office and especially in like a service company like a lawyer for example you don't necessarily need it but the point you mentioned now is that you don't have that social banter and that you know social interaction but do you think that's moving forward that's necessary for it to be successful or do you think we can just keep operating the way we, we are now i think the hybrid model is going to work hybrid model and i think that's going to work on a lot of levels i think 
Um, you know, if I look at my operational expenditures of business, I'm like, well, I can run my business and I can get somewhere half the size, right? Because, uh, you know, based on that theory, it's like at any given time, I'll only have 20 people in the office. Uh, and the reason I say this is like, I actually really enjoy working from home. I'm very fortunate I've got a good setup. Uh, I'm also quite, I'm generally quite disciplined and I've got a structure. But I see the value. Like, I go into the office once or twice a week now because, A, like, I enjoy seeing people. But there's some meetings that are, like, you want to do in person. person it's, yeah. it's like you get more out of it. And then you go off and do your own thing. So, like, I, I think so that element is going to be important and you can't eradicate that. I think in the same time, it's going to be kind of, like, actually quite look forward to going in at one day a week. So you have that social aspect. At the same time, you retain the ability to be independent and work on your own hours and kind of work from home. And then, yeah, the, the you know, the, the carrot uh, on top of that, the icing on top of the cake, rather, is kind of like, oh, awesome. Like, you know, I can get like a, s- a smaller office. Um, but again, like it really depends. Like I know my experience with Deliveroo, highly social office, great environment. Like we're in it together. There's, there's roles where, like, I literally don't talk to people anyways in the office. Like, I know lawyers is a great example, right? You have the occasional phone call, but maybe you're just, like, you know, rocking through contracts all day. Like, there's <laughs> yeah. really not that much value add. Yeah. So I think that the, the hybrid model makes sense, but then I think the support system is when it's going to be that much more important, right? So I don't see someone, I don't spend as much time with them. They're more likely to be struggling because they're at home a lot more and there's mm. difficulty between life life uh you know personal life and professional life balance yeah let's make sure that we have ways of checking up with them other than like hey you're not on target or or even worse you're on target and you're doing well but like you're miserable but i'm not able to pick up on that because all i have I is, is a zoom call or whatever right yeah. so um so yeah it's going to be a variety of things um and i think we're slowly learning i i, I don't agree with companies that are completely going to go work from home like i just think it's it's nonsensical. I also don't agree with companies that are forcing people to go Come back, back in yeah. essentially because it's like you've done it for three months. Like unless it was a disaster, which I don't know, right? And again, not all industries are data back like we are. We 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 had some of our office go back in because the role they do requires them to kind of be in the office. But a lot of other industries and stuff, it's like, well, if you're doing it successfully now, what's the rush, right? Like just <laughs> enjoy it. Like yeah. use it for what it is. If and when the time is right or you want to restructure. But You've just gone 180 for four months. Don't go 180 back. Like, do what. This is a great opportunity for leaders and companies to to take this 180 to then pivot, right? So instead of going all the way back to zero degrees, maybe you go to like 150, right? That's almost the analogy to look at it. Yeah. Right? This is going to be our new way of working. We've seen that it worked well working from home. Yeah. Like, I lo- I've got pets. I, you know, at the moment I'm training a lot so I can do like random laundry throughout the day. Yeah, yeah. Like, it works well for me, right? And I'm, I'm not the only one. Um, How's but, yeah. the feedback been from, from your team uh, during this time? Have they enjoyed it? Do people seem to, do they like this like yeah. the hybrid model or do they prefer like just being back in the office? Because I think it's quite mixed. Yeah, it is mixed. I think, again, I've got a good setup. I appreciate that not everyone, maybe, maybe they're living in, like a small apartment with lots of the people. Like, it really depends on your setup and like, I mean, the term when you're like, you get angry easily when you're hungry is hangry, right? I feel like there needs to be a term for COVID. Like, (laughs) I don't know what that would be, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, but like, um, you can definitely tell people are getting more frustrated, just you're easily frustrated and there's more chimps of it, you know, present during Corona. So, like, I appreciate that not everyone has a great setup. My my direct reports have all, uh, they're being very careful. They're all working from home. 
they seem to like it, not forcing anyone to go in. Um, other people, again, it's very similar to what I said, like one or two days max a week, and that balance is well received. And honestly, from the management side, they're kind of like, there's no rush. Like, legally speaking, the government already said everyone should go back to 100% if they want. So, like, if they were in a rush, then they would have sent everyone in, right? Yeah. I know a lot of big companies, like, they're back to 100%, right? Alpha Thames, Al Shires of this world, like, they're back full capacity. So, yeah, I think they generally seems they enjoy it, but I also don't know if it's because they just don't want to go out. You know, I think they're, they're quite, they're still very cautious, some people in my team. Um, but yeah, I do push them to like, guys, go for a walk outside. Like, doesn't you don't need to go to a mall, you don't need to go to the office, but like, do something. I think that is important. Um, having a hobby has been super important, I think, for people in these times. Yeah. Because that, that's that separation you need at the end of the day. That, like, or, outlet. Or something to keep you motivated. Mm. Or, like, you know, no one's traveled for, like, six, seven months, right? Um, you know, I took two, three days off the other day, and it was, like, a treat. <laughs> like, what did I do, right? Like, I, I mean, I was productive. I read. I wrote stuff. But, like, you know, that's the equivalent of, like, oh, what a treat, right? Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, the new, that's my new thing. It's new norm. But yeah. to, be, to be clear, I canceled my Bali and Italy trip. This oh. time. That's what I was meant to be doing, right? <laughs> And this, this is the new world, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see, right? It's uh, Yeah, it's curious hard to see. To say, hard yeah, it's to curious say to see how things are going to play out. But the thing that um, that I've, from people I've spoken to from friends of mine yeah. is that some, like, some companies, like people, like typically the older leaders who are like a bit more old school, in their mind, like if you're not in the office, you're not working or you're being lazy and whatever and the question I think about I'm like you've been doing this for the last four months and the business has been running so yeah. now you're just holding on to a belief that doesn't hold true anymore and that's where I think is a bit of that's a bit of a challenge well I think all the generations are, are again huge huge uh, stereotype but um, you know all the generations are a bit harder to convince of stuff it's a bit more old school uh, it's funny, I mean, I was just talking about the education system, my friend, when I was driving in the car here, and it's like, that's a great example. Like, you take the British education system, I use amazing schools, stuff that's not been changed in hundreds of years, right? Like, it's nuts, and they're so reluctant to change. I think older people are a bit more like that. Um, in terms of things have been running fine, I mean, that depends, right? I don't know. I, I can't say for other companies, and I can also say, I think it's trackability, data is gold but i also know some companies don't have maybe aren't super data driven super trackable so uh, i mean for me it's not i don't know how you measure success but maybe there's elements of a business that maybe they're a bit more gray and harder to monitor unless you're there right mm, like yeah. so maybe those aspects but i think yeah more old school people probably hard to convince um you know or maybe just this idea that you should be in the office right it's the right thing to do um so generational gaps i mean our ceo is like mid 30s you know our gm's like it's quite young yeah i think 35 or so right i think i'm like i feel old <laughs> like 30 right so like i mean I, for delivery i'm a dinosaur four years is like i think there's only like two three other people have been there longer than me in, in the region so again that's my own experience uh, right? yeah yeah but, of course. Um, you know, everyone's different for sure what was the um, biggest mindset shift that you had to make when you made that jump from being just, you know, a commercially driven yeah. like sales executive to a manager? I know it's managing the people. I know managing people is a brand new thing that comes with management. But I'm talking on like from just a mindset perspective. How did what is the switch that you had to make? 
I mean, like, you really can't... You need to lead from the front. Okay. Right? You can't tell people to do something you're not willing to do yourself. And I think, again, I'm a highly competitive individual, but I also really respect... Like, I won't respect someone who's like, you wouldn't do that, right? And I think... So for me, like, there's a few things. There's like, this team needs me, so I need to deliver on the things I'm telling them, right? If I'm promising I'll give them a doc or something, like, I really need to make sure I do that on time. And, like, you know, sometimes they'll come to you and there's been, you know, something, a big issue at the end of the day. Like, you need to make sure that you you help them out and you deliver in that sense. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, and I think leading from the front is a big one. So my role doesn't require me to sell, but, like, I make an effort to sell. Yeah. Um, especially when I'm in the office or especially like if I felt like Sunday morning lull. Like sales is all psychological, right? 100%. Right? And yeah, it's yeah. like it's so easy to psych yourself out. Like, <laughs> yeah. The difference sure. between being like, don't overthink it. Let me just dial five numbers quickly and then you've hit your rhythm and overthinking it before you know it's like 10 a.m. and it's like, oh, God, uh, maybe I'll just do admin today. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like your head implodes. So, I've like, been there. So I think, yeah. I mean, those those are the ones that that come to mind. Like, you can't disappoint your team. You need to help deliver and deliver on time the the, the tools that they need. Yeah. Uh, and then leading leading from the front. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a selfless, a very selfless role. That's like, that's, that's. I think the, that's the biggest distinction. It. Yeah, I think it's something that like, I don't. Again, going to back to the old school way of looking at things. I think people think the boss is the guy who like, hey, like do that, right? But reminds me of that, you know, that meme of like a great boss versus, a, you know, like a bad boss is, the bad boss is the one cracking the whip at the end and the good boss is the one leading at the front, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's, uh, but it's highly selfless, right? Like you're essentially, your role is to do things for other people, right? Okay, if you do well, it's purely because your team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You've not done anything technical you've not signed the 200 restaurants this week right yeah. it's your team have done it your role is to unleash their potential which you've done by support whether it's emotional whether it's oh here's this cool tool i built whatever like yeah um yeah so it can be very and it's very binary like i feel like it's often either like you're very celebrated because the team did great or it's like you know what the fuck like your team's not performing what are yeah. you doing wrong yeah and, and, exactly, and it's yeah. so easy to feel like a bit helpless and i'm like i don't know what to tell you like i'm doing this like i'm trying i'm you know it's but things just aren't working exactly um there's only so much you can you can control in, yeah in that you know you can put in the yeah. work and enable them and give them the tools that they need to be successful but at the end of the day they have to they're, they're, they're the ones yeah. have to deliver it right yeah you know? but it's like yeah you go back to the drawing board right like okay, exactly why, yeah. why aren't they delivering so i, I i'm quite good at like I guess reverse engineering. Mm. Um, like I'm quite good at like, not just this stuff. Like in general, with like if it's sports or whatever. Like I, I'm very curious naturally, and I think this idea of reverse engineering and breaking things down to their like components is something which I, I always find pretty cool. So like, a team is no different, right? So I think, um, how do you define success, right? That's not just you hit numbers. Actually, there's a few different metrics that go into that. Like there's which will define, like, so, so let's say, like, the example, I need to sign 100 restaurants this week, for instance. Okay, great, but, like, that's, honestly, like, that's important. It's a completely irrelevant thing to say, like, okay, how are you going to get there? What, how are you going to break that down? Okay, you need to do X calls a day. Cool, we need to get X contracts out. Okay, it's important that out of these, you know, they have these kind of commercials. Like, that, these are all the kind of vectors of success. Exactly. It's, it's almost, you know, like the pyramid, if you will, right? Yeah. 
and so often you need to go back to drawing more. You need to pivot quick as well, right? Because it's something you can't let linger. And that's another thing. Like you can procrastinate a bit better as an individual contributor. Like you can kind of get away a bit more with like, oh, I'll just do it tomorrow. Like you can't do that if ten people are waiting for something, right? It no, also makes no. you look really stupid. Like you lose all credibility, and I think yeah. that's also like a driving factor. Um, but yeah, you need to pivot quick. Like if something's going wrong. Like you need to figure out like. And, and it's really difficult, I find, sometimes you're like, okay, like, how are we going to do this? Like, what's, what can we do? Like, what, you know, how can we mix it up? Is there something in the market that's changed? Um, you know, I think Corona must be the, the most trialing time for, for managers and leaders. Yeah. And salespeople, I can oh, imagine. Like, no one wants yeah, to spend money right now. No one. Um, you know, it's, it's tough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some industries have obviously boomed. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say that food delivery hasn't done well. But it has its challenges as well, right? Like, it's a really tough time for restaurants, right? They are our partners and we rely on them. And, you know, you ask them to sign up and, you know, there's registration fees and all this stuff. And they're like, I just don't have the cash, right? And obviously, I'm not doubting them, but also there's a cost. Exactly. It's right, an investment, of right? Course, yeah. So, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Corona, man, it's been a hell of a ride. <laughs> <laughs> We're not out the woods yet, but yeah, no, it's no. been in, it's been intense. So it's been a quite yeah. intense few months, I think, for everyone, both on a professional level and on yeah, a personal exactly. level. Yeah, um, you mentioned that uh, you had a burnout in 2019, and I think we spoke about this yeah. briefly last time. So I wanted to ask you first of all, what was that? Exp- what happened for you that led to you getting a burnout? What was that experience like? Like, what were you feeling? And now that you've been through it and you know come out on the other side, much you know much better and so on, what advice would you give to someone else who is either going through it or is starting to feel like they're burning out? Because I think a lot of yeah. people feel that, especially now. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean we touched on like taking holiday and stuff. You know, mm. I mean anything of and being more emotionally drained. Like everything right now is is kind of teeing people up for like. <laughs> like a burnout or if it's not already happened and and like you don't really have much of an option right do a staycation that's about it listen i think this is not it happened in november now the funny thing is i'd actually this this is called a whoop strap it's a wearable it's awesome it's where i do all my like get all my sleep data and heart rate variability and all this nerdy stuff um the funny thing is i actually received it the first day I got super sick. Really? And it was almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Ironically, I was like, meant to arrive. <laughs> yeah, I, was like, I started thinking like something's not right. And I started reading more about like sleep and how your heart can tell you a lot. I was like, let me just start measuring, right? Because like I'm an athlete in theory, right? Like I played high-level sports. In theory, I care about my body, but also like, you know, I'll binge on the weekends and like I've developed unhealthy habits. And then I was like, let me just see. Anyway, and I think... It's not new, right? Leading up to this point, I'm, you know, kind of always run down, right? Like you, you never have like more than like a week where you don't, you're 100 percent or like. But you're also not always, you're not sick as a dog, right? Yeah. It's this horrible middle. That limbo. Yeah. Exactly limbo, right? Or purgatory, whatever you want to call it. And you're kind of like, okay, I'll go into the office, but I kind of feel crappy. I can't fully train, which makes me more frustrated. And honestly, I've been like this for a while because I'm someone who's like always drank a lot of coffee and you know the famous phrase of like oh i can run on five to six hours right or i'll sleep when i die or yeah no pain no pain yeah no pain no gain and listen sometimes you got to do the all night or whatever but like you know that's not normal right so i was like okay so my burnout actually it started it was a long time coming just to be clear like this is not something that develops overnight um and then i mean it manifested itself initially as like 
what turned into like a really bad stomach bug. I ended up in hospital with a stomach infection. And then I got like fevers. And then it was basically the next two, three months was basically on and off sick. Um, I think I had corona, frankly, in Jan. Uh, because I was like, I had, I had this really bad fever for two, three months. And then uh, actually I, I went to my, my granddad's funeral. So he was living in Milan. And then it, that was in January. And it turns out that 100 out of 150 of the old people in this hospital died from corona. And I was like there, right? So I was like, oh, so I don't think it's unrealistic. And then like, and then, I mean, this also shows how stubborn I am, right? I was pushing through this. Mm. And then I find, and then my mum was like, you know, good Italian mother. Like, you know, I've had enough of these Dubai doctors. You're in Milan now. We do all the blood tests. Blah, yeah, blah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it turns out, like, so this was, like, three months after this all happened. I get a call. I was <laughs> at work. And, like, yeah, it turns out you've got hepatitis A and bronchitis. That's why you've been feeling like this. And oh, I was like, shit. oh, okay. So, like, I'm not being soft. But yeah, that's yeah. another thing, right? Yeah. Like, and, and we, we, we are scared to say, like, oh, we're, I'm sick. Or, like, oh, people think I'm, like, a, you know, I'm soft or whatever. And it's, like, listen to your body because... I mean, yeah, short term, you're going to be rubbish, you're going to be unproductive, you're going to be a miserable wreck. Like, find me a person on five to six hours a day who's, like, a joy to be around, I'll buy him a beer. Like, it doesn't exist, right? <laughs> and so, like, for me, that was kind of like, okay, that was the process, the burnout. And I knew, I, I knew I was, I'd been burning out already leading up to the point, but I think the, the first, that kind of took me over the edge, like, something needs to change. Uh, yeah, note to anyone who likes coffee, if you're having, like, six to seven espressos a day or more, like, yeah, like... I love coffee, but, like, if you generally need that much caffeine, like, you'll probably run down, right? And it does not make up for it. Um, Long term, like, it's really interesting when you read about being run down and sleep deprivation. You know, Matthew Walker has his book, but, like, it's pretty well documented. If you look at journals, it's like, you're essentially, by sleeping less and getting poor quality sleep, you're digging yourself an early grave, and you're living a less fulfilling life in the meantime, right? We're talking heart disease, diabetes, uh, Alzheimer's, like, it's pretty unpleasant, right? So, like, this is not just a matter of, like, uh, feeling a bit perkier, which is in itself awesome, like, feeling more lively, but, like, live longer, live better, right? So, yeah, I mean, that's, sleep is just one side of it, but I, I, I generally find when I talk to people and, like, people our age and in our society i think ironically lockdown has helped people sleep more uh because you don't have the commute either side like um i mean whoop they, they released like this data and they've actually picked up on on average their users pre versus during lockdown uh, they sleep like 30 minutes more that's good which is a lot that's by the lot, way yeah, right yeah. the average person sleeps like seven seven and a half hours like you know, that's what 14 15 percent increase right that's pretty good um so yeah, I think that's one part of the burnout. But then, uh, in terms of tips, listen, I think it's kind of like you know when you got Alcohol Anonymous, and it's like the first step is a yeah, twelve step program, problem, yeah, yeah. right? Like, and I, that's often the thing with sleep. Like, people sleep deprived. Two things: they they generally don't um, realize how sleep deprived they are, and they usually negate it. Like, no, no, I'm not. I'm fine. I'm fine. But they're also biologically apparently less able to pick up that they're sleep deprived. Like mm. it's not just a... They don't feel it. They're not just stubborn. Like mm. you actually get to the point where like you don't realize. You kind of like your perception of reality and dream kind of like gets skewed. So this, I think the main thing is like you need to pay attention to your sleep. You need to focus and realize that 
fix your sleep, you become a superhuman, right? Like sleep is where you create all your hormones, like, you know, your testosterone is where your muscles repair, where your brain repairs. It messes with your memory. Short term, yeah, you're, you're an absolute wreck. You're, da- you're a danger to people if you're driving. Um, you know, again, hormones, you've got appetite hormones, right? When you don't sleep well, you're more likely to eat 15, 20% more calories, right? And they're you crave sugar and fat, right? On top of that, just your mind, like we said, is not where it needs to be. So, like, how are you going to be someone who thinks clearly, who's sharp, who's practicing visualization? The chimp loves sleep deprivation, right? Like, <laughs> that guy's going to jump. It. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's all tied in. Yeah. And it's funny because, like, uh, you know, I'm working on, on, like, this wellness workshop, which I'm sure we'll probably touch on. But, like, I've actually put nutrition and training, like, as the not the least important but it's like generally speaking fix your your sleep which will enable you to work on your mindset and personal development and self-awareness and everything kind of slots into place it, com- it complements the sleep. yeah yeah 100 yeah, percent. i mean they're all related obviously like if you eat like crap like it messes with your hormones but you're less likely to have bad habits when you're like well slept basically yeah um also, because sleeping well indicates you have discipline and good habits generally. True. That's right? very true. Um, yeah. So, yeah, fix your sleep, people. I think fix that's my, my main takeaway. And, and, like, don't be so stubborn. And know you're not a superhero. Like, like you need those hours. And especially you're trying to train. And, and not just physical training. Like, psychological, right? So, like, if you're very stressed at work, it damages your nervous system, right? Yeah. So, you know... There is a, I can't remember who it was, but basically he was measuring like his strain according to his heart rate variability, which is like a, it's a proxy for measuring how rested your nervous system is. And he was more stressed, like his wearable picked up more stressed when he was releasing or opening his company that he was launching versus when he ran like a marathon. Wow. Right? That's surprising. Yeah, and that's huge, right? So again, like, you're knowing that the mental toll it's not just oh i've just been sitting working at this 14 hours like that has a huge huge effect on your hormones sleep and and ability to recover so again knowing that that's a thing now what do you do about it right so we talked about breathing exercises make sure you 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 kind of wind down and you block out this is my work and this is my life right yeah like i close the laptop at eight like and i'm gonna cook with my significant other this is our time to just like you know distress yeah yeah and that's super super important 100 yeah but like you said everything everything that you've been talking about like it's everything's so interrelated you know it's all one system the physical and the mental yeah exactly they both play into they both play into each other one thing you said in one of the articles which i loved was data is useless unless you implement the positive habits to make the improvements yeah but what i've I think not just me and my personal experience over the years but other people sometimes we might get the data we don't put those actions in to actually start improving it. And the question I was starting to ask myself is what stops us from doing that? Or how do we start motivating ourselves now that we have the knowledge to start taking those actions to improve our life? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, listen, I think, like you said, you you can give people data all you you want. And also, like, too much data is a thing, right? Like, I mean, I I love it and I I love to with it. (laughs) Uh, but I appreciate as well, like, you know, your brain can only handle so much. Again, if you're in a sleep deprived state, all this stuff, and like, chances are there's a whole bunch of stuff you want to be improving, and suddenly you just don't know where to start. So I think it's about making it manageable. And I think, um, forget, I mean, forget data, let's just analyze, okay, the one, I want to improve my sleep. God, I don't know where to start. I sleep five hours a day. I'm addicted to caffeine. There's no way I'm going to get eight hours a night. 
right? And I think that's when people instantly fail. It's kind of like this, before they've even started about taking the first step, they're like, damn, like how do I get 100%, right? Mm, It's like saying I've never played basketball. Um, Oh God, I'll never be like LeBron. (laughs) <laughs> well, why do you like lace your shoes up there buddy like yeah. like that's the first step baby right? steps exactly and then, i mean like we, we love james clear's book atomic yeah. habits awesome. like he talks about right he says like it's uh you know habits are like the it's the root right and it kind of goes in the ground and slowly grows and branches out and more and more things come from it and i think that's the way to look at it is like you need to see that like it's not about some sort of angle and like how do i get there it's just like what's the one little thing you can do that will get you from sleeping five hours to five hours 15. How can you go from eight coffees to seven coffees a day, right? Um, How can you go, you know, what can you build into your day-to-day to to help you like just do that one little thing? Um, I think the impact of also like long-term results, uh, or sorry, impact on, on like your health, right? Like I think I tell the average person, hey, you sleep five hours a night, yeah what's wrong with that? Like, okay, let me tell you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's important as well you explain the why. Of course. Right? And I think the yeah. why is something yeah. that, again, I have a huge issue with, you know, call the health and fitness industry, which frankly has some of the most least healthy people, right? Like, you might have a six-pack, but like, there's a lot of mental damage. And I actually wrote a paper at university on distorted self-perception amongst bulimics, anorexics, and bodybuilders. Okay, uh, that's interesting. And it was this epic sports psychology course. It was an elective I took, and it was so cool. And the guy took taking it was a sports psychologist for the Canadian hockey team. So the guy was like... Top. Stud. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, Such yeah. a cool dude. Uh, Peter Bender, I still remember. It was my first year. And it was amazing seeing the results. Sorry, a bit of a tangent, but it's like... Bodybuilders have are on par with anorexics in terms of how they see themselves, like self-perception. Really? Bulimics are the worst. Obviously, it's more extreme. But that tells you a lot about the fitness industry. I'm doing the quotation marks now with my fingers, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. These are not particularly healthy people, right? And and I think, like, um, yeah, ultimately, you're, you're not understanding the why. Often, the fitness industry, people are like, oh, you need to train, you need to be healthy, you need to do X, Y, Z. But, like... Again, like the fitness industry doesn't do a good job at explaining the why. Like, wh- why why do you train in this way? Why do I do 10 by 10? Or why do I do 5 by 5? Or like, why should I eat like this? Or like, why is sleep important? And I think, but unless you, like if you just tell people it's important to sleep or it's important to eat an important balanced diet, you've not attached a kind of repercussion to it and you've not helped them ex- understand the why. And by the way, in no other walk of life do you not get explained the why. I don't know about you, but I've never had a job, even an internship, where someone gave me a piece of work and explained why we're doing this. Yeah. Hey, like, you need to fill out the spreadsheet, okay? Or, you know, we're doing this because this is the end goal. Mm-mm. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah. Try giving someone a piece of work, literally saying, this is what you need to do without explaining why we're doing it. You're not going to get the buy-in. You're no. not going to get the commitment. 100%. You're not going to get the result. True. Right? So, so Yeah. I think uh, understanding the why and implementing baby steps. Don't think of the top of the mountain. Just think of like where does this, this little path start? And I think yeah. what's the little thing I can do today? And, and um, I think the main thing from James Clearbert, which really resonated with me, it's a few, but I think uh, making good habits easy, right? So like if your habit is I want to start training, it's like, well, start putting your sports shoes, spandex shorts and like T-shirt out the night before or um, and, and like coupling it with good rewards. I love coffee in the morning. So it's like that's part of your habit. 
attach another habit to it. So it's maybe like habit hey, stacking, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love that, right? So like that's actually now I'm getting into my breathing. Often what I do now is like again just literally two three minutes but like whilst my coffee's brewing i actually uh, i was like okay this is my opportunity now let me just sit down and breathe for two three minutes um and then obviously just the visualization side is super important right it's like yeah. like what what what's your identity right he talks about this it's like are you are you behaving in a way that is conducive with the identity you want to drive towards and you know talking about every action you make is a vote towards your identity, you know, the identity you want to become. So, and that's super accessible, right? Even if you're like sure. super overweight, really unhealthy, you know, this idea of running a marathon is honestly too distant and not graspable. But instead, just think, instead when you go grab for that extra cookie, it's like, ooh, what, yeah, what, how would the person who's the marathon runner behave in this instance? How, exactly. how would they act right exactly. now? Is, that, is this the kind of habit that they're like, like yeah, it's not. So I, I, it's not conducive with who I want to be, right? Yeah. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it's accessible, but then also like it's more about then about the process and, and the journey, which is like sounds a bit like a lot of people say that, but it's true, right? Sure. Like it's, suddenly it's, it's like yeah. it's okay not to have a clearly defined end goal. It's just about like how, what can I do this month that's going to make me a little bit better. Yeah. That in itself is a goal, right? Of course, yeah. Um, it's not about what I. It's not about necessarily what I want to achieve. Is who do I want to become? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That identity. Who's that? Like you said, what is that person that I'm trying to become? What are the values that they have? Yeah. What would yeah. they do or actions that are like you said conducive with what you know the person I'm it, trying to be? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, for me, I'll give you an example. Like I've, I'm generally pretty riddled with injuries or have been from like rugby and, but also for my own fault. Like you know, again, I'll. I'll I I used to be like I'll sleep five hours and go smash like a massive workout, which is stupid. Like on all on all senses, you're not gonna get most out of it. You're more likely to get injured. Something like you're thirty percent more likely to get injured if you had less than seven hours of sleep, right? When you exercise, like all this kind of stuff. Um, so it's just like my main goal, if you want to call it that, is like can you stay balanced, right? So consistent and moderate. Mm-hmm. Can you stay injury free? Yeah. And learn something new every month. Again, looks so manageable, right? So that goes into, okay, old Eduardo would have been like, you're tired, but screw it, smash it, you know, no pain, no gain. New Eduardo is like, I'm actually going to go for a little walk and listen to a podcast. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm happy with that. Like, that's, that's good enough for me. And uh, in, injury-free, okay, I've done a lot of work on like, mobility and understanding how the body should work. And I'm like, okay, now that these, ex- these few little exercises part of every workout now yeah and learn something new right again i'm naturally curious i don't really struggle in this respect but like i'm enjoying saying like okay cool this month i'm kind of going to invest in learning about gut health and breathing mechanisms yeah yeah and um yeah and i do like a little reflection every month like a little table yeah i think that's super useful i didn't do this well like how am i trying yeah uh like my sleep's not been great last month and Okay, I only have my one coffee a day, but I compensate with having like five decaps. And I actually think it's been affecting. I don't know if it's like a psychological spe- thing, right? Yeah. An association, it could be. It right? Could be, but yeah. there's a little bit of caffeine. And when you become, when you go from eight coffees a day to one coffee at 6 a.m., you become very sensitive to caffeine. It's a huge drop. Well, you know, for instance, I was like, what's going on? Like, I don't get it. Like, and, and I now that's it. I, I do one coffee again in the morning. I've taken out all the decaf. My sleep's back to more or less where, where it needs to be. So that's it's awesome. like, it's funny how like, I mean, how easy of a tweak is that, yeah. right? And suddenly it's like, oh, okay, I can sleep again. Small tweaks, big yeah. results, man. 
I, I also watched all of Game of Thrones, starting <laughs> Eid, and like I'd never watched it. Right, it was it was like the, I can't remember when the Eid, uh, the long weekend was, yeah, yeah, but yeah, like. Yeah. And my fiance was like, "Oh, you know, watched it. This is a great opportunity." I stupidly said yes, and I don't and really watch that much it. TV. And I'm like, and suddenly, like, that's a stress. And I'm very sensitive. Like, I get nightmares. I, I also think it's probably tied to that. I was like, when the when the last season finished, I was like, thank goodness, yeah. I can't take this anymore. Like, I'm glad everyone's dead. <laughs> frankly, like, I could go back to my routine. You know, now she's watch, watching Dawson's Creek, so it's like a lot more amicable. Awesome. And, and, and yeah, yeah. And I sleep like a baby. Honestly, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I wanted to uh, come back to um, uh, personal development and yeah. growth. So that is something that when we both met, that's something that we're both quite passionate mm-hmm. about. When did I guess, when did you become passionate about personal development and growth? Was there a point in your life that you decided I need to start making big improvements to get to the next place that I need to go? Or like, what was what was your thinking yeah. behind that? Because me, it was an event that cataly- was a catalyst and that's what led me to be where I am today. So I'm curious how it was for you. I actually think... You know, you need to have a brain that acknowledges and is receptive to feedback, first of all. And and I think a lot of people don't okay. have that, right? Okay. I, and I didn't used to be like, I was so stubborn growing up, my poor parents. like, And, and I hated when, you know, when people told me something, which essentially is feedback, and you, and you take it as criticism, and it's like, and my mother is still like that. It's fine. She probably won't listen to this. But, like, you know, that that side is, is really... Uh, you know that that takes some work or just being in the right environment i think delivery is a really good like feedback culture and it's super like you know one of our core values i mean we've changed recently but like you know we're we're straightforward uh i think it's still a core value anyways we're still very straightforward and it's not people aren't dicks about it they're not insulting they're just a super matter of fact and i think even in our feedbacks and you know you'll have a meeting someone will pull your sign like hey just by the way like next time I would suggest you do this, right? So it kind of like pushed you to suddenly understand that like feedback is important, right? That's the first thing, right? Because you can't start, because someone who doesn't believe in feedback, right, has a has a kind of closed off mindset, right? It's the growth mindset versus the is it? fixed mindset. Is, yeah. Is the word? Yeah. yeah, got there in the end. Uh, you know, the person with the fixed mindset doesn't admit that there's a problem, doesn't admit that there's, why should I change, right? So that person's not naturally going to just grab a book and be like, that resonates. So for me, I guess it's been, again, I'm I'm naturally a curious person. I'm naturally quite educated. It's not something that I do gravitate towards. I, I, not like I was completely close to it. But when I was thrown into delivery and I saw how people communicate with each other and it's kind of like really objective, candid feedback on like what you need to do better, I was like, you, it's hard to hear initially, but now it's like I'm like a feedback fiend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, I, yeah. I'm so annoying. I'm like, that's no, that's it. Like, what? Can, I, I want what to be else? a German to hear. Like, what do I need to do? Like, what should I be working on? And yeah, like, yeah. I need more feedback. Than that. So I think like yeah. delivery really helped in that sense, and okay. that kind of just started the in general. It's like you know, just you're keeping more of an ear and an eye out. Like you know, what what's ooh, what's like? Oh, there's this online course. That's cool. That's something you know. Clearly clear there's there's a weakness in my armor that's why i'm looking into this let me pick it up um but i guess in terms of and then i've, I've always liked reading like little articles you know like medium.com is great for this Amazing. just just like easy little reads yeah. and it's like oh that's quite like uh quite interesting you know but i found like really getting into the self-help books has been like yeah really only last six months 
And it's funny because I was having this conversation with my colleague yesterday and I was telling her I'm really into my reading, like this is the stuff I'm looking at. And he goes, eh, I just do Blinklist, which is like a 15-minute read. And and I was, cause I was telling him about the breathing and I was super enthusiastic and I was just trying to win him over. And, I, and then I've been thinking about this today and I was like, why... Why don't I do the blink list? Like, what's the actual value? Like, essentially, a 15-minute book is telling me about what I'm reading over, like, a week, two weeks, three weeks. And then I realized it does not resonate with you. And I'm not talking about, like, oh, it just really hammers that point home. It's like, there's a process in your mind that these self-help books, by the way, they make three, four points, but they make them over two, three hundred pages. And it forces you to just... It's so ingrained to your head, then then it's like boom, that is never leaving. You can't do that as well with articles and the blink list and the YouTube videos. Exactly. Like it's not as impactful. No. And I think also there is this kind of rabbit hole effect of curiosity when you read kind of self-help books. And I think what I mean by that is like certain parts will just resonate better with you, right? Even like I read basically right now I'm I'm split between self-help and like uh, biology essentially like I read there's an amazing books on like longevity and gut health and and with those ones especially it'll be like oh wow that's a really cool point about like whatever this kind of gut bacteria or like you know we talked about leaky gut and celiac mm-hmm. yeah. like, and then you know that specifically like you know that would probably be skipped in a summary or in an article because it's too granular cool but then I look oh my god you know each chapter has like 50 references and like let me look into that that resonates like it's there's something super enjoyable about that as well. Like it's part of the process that you underline stuff. And then, so yeah, I guess really last six months, especially, mm. which has been, I mean, the takeaway there really is like, I mean, this, me, you're just saying like, we've not been doing this for years. Like it's like, I mean, we finished Atomic Habits at the same time, didn't we? Yeah. It wasn't like a month ago, no, two uh, months ago. No, Atomic Habits I finished a year, like a year ago. A year ago, ago. okay, yeah, fine. Yeah. Oh, was, what was the one that you finished recently? Was it Never Split the Difference? Or yeah, no? yeah. Never, but I've been, that's, an old that's, one, that's an old one too. Okay. I think it's when I met you, I just finished Tommy. Exactly, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Anyway, so that's like been super influential on in, in my life. And that's been like, well, yeah, again, like two months most. So I think that's also a takeaway is like you've got these super accessible bits of material now. that are so easy to read. Uh, and like you'll get so pumped up when you read them. Like I'm, I'm like... Uh, I'm buzzing when I when I hit something and I'm like I go to my my girlfriend I'm like oh my fiance I'm like oh I can't believe what I just read <laughs> but I don't think that she really cares she's supportive yeah but yeah. Like, no one's gonna care as much as you, you yeah hundred percent and it's funny because it reminds me of my dad like he was like he was a fiend like he was reading like he was an encyclopedia right and like I remember like I, when I was training for like long distance running and he in Italy he'd like come with me on the bicycle just to keep me company no way that's awesome because we chat right because yeah, long yeah. distance I could keep it and, and he literally be like so what do you want to do today I go do you want to do 16th century European history and he goes okay cool and he just starts talking about like like that's the, and, <laughs> and I'm like Buddhism yeah yeah okay, okay cool because he was really into that side but like yeah. it reminds me he was he gets so giddy when he read something that was like profound and like and uh it's it's why I like chatting to you as well though, because like we we're we're like equally giddy about this kind of stuff. One hundred percent. And so it's nice to share, obviously, with people. But again, not everyone's gonna invest the time, or they're not gonna see the value early on, right? True. So our role, I think, as well is okay. As much as it's not as useful as reading a full book, the alternative is that they don't look into this at all. Let me try and repackage it. Let sure. me at least try and give it to them in a five-minute article, which yeah. is why you know I start well ed. 
uh, let me at least put it into like a presentation, which is you know obviously why I'm doing a workshop and stuff. Like, it's a start. Yeah. Right. And it needs to start somewhere. Yeah. Right. It's an entry point. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Which hopefully leads to you know yeah. more things. Yeah. But what you uh, something you said about Blinkist because I ha- I was on Blinkist for a while and then yeah. when I started actually like reading books exactly like you said like you can give me giving me those ten points is nothing to me like yeah. without going through the book because it's like a journey through the book even though it's 10 points is not really a story like that the context yeah the data the example that's what like you said that's what makes it stick that's what makes it uh i think actionable yeah. and makes it you remember it but coming on to uh well-ed which was you actually as you just mentioned yeah. so why don't you share with everyone what is well-ed what's your vision with it uh i know it's to do with self-awareness education and systems but why yeah. don't you tell everyone what's your vision with well-ed then sure so i think I mean, listen, I think even before this burnout, like, I, I love just physiology and fitness. And, like, you know, I've been, I, I was on skis when I could walk, you know. I remember my dad maybe do a six-hour hike when I was, like, five years old. Like, that's just, like, what I was, I, I didn't have a Spartan household, just to be clear. It's just, like, we're just a sporty family. And yeah, like, yeah. You know, and the, yeah. I love the mountains. Like, my, my goal is to retire in the Alps. Uh, so much that like, we scattered my dad's ashes like in, in the Alps, right? So like that's, that's awesome. like, part of my DNA and then also playing rugby high level. So like I've always, and I've dedicated so much time to reading and understanding um, everything that goes into it. So I think like it's been kind of like a process and in mm. the last six months, that's when I really started to like look at everything related to burnout, hormones, sleep, and then the mindset has been huge for me, like not just work-related, but like visualization, managing the chimp, stress, okay, well, again, the rabbit hole, okay, oh, wow, breathing affects this, oh, wow, okay, sleep quality, oh, wow, you know, appetite hormones related to poor sleep. And so I think there's a few things, like I think the creative side of my brain, it's been like annoying me that I've got all this information and two things. One, I want to give this to people and two, uh, like how do I condense this? Like I've got, it's, it's driving me nuts. Literally, like like the I've been wanting to write about you know initially it was the five pillars and now I've turned yeah, yeah, into a, a pyramid. That, yeah. um, that was Tarek's doing actually when the feedback sessions. I think the pyramid makes a lot more sense. You know, you have self awareness systems and processes at the bottom. You know, those okay. are the most important, and then you kind of have the different blocks which are you know um, you, you then have mindset and visualization, sleep recovery. Then you go into basically nutrition, mm-hmm. and I don't even call it training, I actually call it movement, right? Move as the body is meant to. I think it's more appropriate, right? Yeah, I think so too. Uh, it's more, uh, you know, holistic, holistic again, exactly. right? Yeah. So, anyways, like, I've been wanting to like put this in a book, and I, I, I tried to start a book at one point, and like I, I spent like a Friday trying to write something, and I looked at it, and I'm like, this isn't even about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I read it back, I was like, Wow, like it was really emo. It was, it was, it was, it was like this is nothing. It's not even like a prelude. I was like, okay, this is not working. And then, um, so it was a really good opportunity to, okay, so I start the website to slowly writing about bigger themes, which are relevant themes. Yeah. And uh, you know, my knowledge, and I think I'm a decent writer, so I quite enjoy being like, let me explain heart rate variability in a few minutes recipes right like i mean again i've just started with only four articles but sleep uh kettlebells i've done an article on that i'm gonna do my next article is probably gonna be stress management uh and i think the title i want i I like a good catchy title as you've probably seen i think my my kettlebell one is uh, minimalism in full swing um but you know i think 
yeah, my stress one I think is going to be called, I think it's interpretation, breathing, and something else, right? Which essentially, again, like a big concept stress, right? Yeah. Okay, like how do I break it down and deliver it to someone? So that's like the purpose of the articles and the blog. Um, so it's kind of twofold, educational, but also for myself, like I'm really enjoying the outlets. And like the, being from a, a creative perspective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I think I've got this creative side that I need to like get, not get rid of, but like put it somewhere. Yeah, use it, yeah. Yeah, and then I think the tie to that is, okay, my outlet for um, the broader material, like the holistic lens, which is, that's a big topic and it takes all these things that I'm going to be writing about. It's actually through delivering a wellness workshop. So um, I have someone, um, there's someone at work, uh, his name's Edwin, he's actually, he's leaving pretty soon, but he's a recruiter by trade, but like he, he loves uh, basically delivering great workshops from uh, LinkedIn, how to look back at LinkedIn to, I mean, his real passion is like in inclusion uh, okay. and all this kind of stuff. So he's actually now he's moving to an awesome, like literally his dream job, but he's going to be a full-time inclusion diversity uh, consultant and basically doing workshops, oh, wow. right? In Good Singapore. Yeah, it's epic. That's awesome. But he kind of saw that I had this natural passion for presenting and, um, like when I was doing his sessions, I was like almost annoying. I'm the one asking all the questions and like chat. I'm that guy in the yeah, front. Yeah. And so he started getting me involved with workshops. So I, I helped deliver like a resilience workshop, but it wasn't my material. And then he was like, I can't remember how it came to be, but I was like, I want, I've got this idea. Like I want to do it and like get, try doing a workshop, put it into slides. And I think putting it into slides um, was the best way for me because it makes it like, it felt a lot more manageable. Like the idea of starting a book, I was like, fuck, man. I was like, I don't know where to start with this. And so I started this. And honestly, it took me ages to do this. Like, well, ages. Like a, a presentation shouldn't take this long. But I think it's been about two months in the making, probably. Mm. There was a, a fair amount of procrastination, I'm not going to lie. And, and, I, and I wonder why. But it was tough, man. I'm, I'm basically done a deck with 40 slides. And it's going to be the first of many, I hope. But it's the first... How do I give an introductory deck to wellness through my own frameworks, my own assessment tools, my own perception of how to approach this, breaking it down in layman's terms, but most importantly, which is where I think most off-sites and a lot of these workshops fall behind, okay, well, how am I giving you these practical little steps? Like, you've identified that this part of the pyramid is lacking on your behalf. Great, so what is the little thing or the two things you're going to do after this session to carry forward. So like mm, there's a focus yeah. on that as well. It's like not an action pure, point. Exactly. It's not purely yeah. theory, theoretical. And like I'm actually, I've got a linking document to it, which has like this way you can do online groceries. These are the macro counter delivery concepts. These are the, the meal plans you can get it. These are the articles on sleep. These are the wearables you can bring, uh, you, you, can, you can buy, uh, you know. And as I add obviously more of my own articles, you know, 20 dirham power meals, I want to write that. So that's like how you can cook at home with yeah. amazing quality food, good ingredients for 20 dirhams, like hacks, which I've picked up. So the idea is to also just give like, you know, here's here's the tools, like, you know, start, right? And I think the idea then is habit forming, obviously we touched on that. So like in an hour, like there's a lot in there. It's superficial enough, but also goes in depth. With, it's practical, right? Yeah. Uh, and the idea there is, so I actually gave it to my head of HR last week. I did the first run through. She stopped me halfway through. And she goes, I'm ready. Let's roll it across APAC. Um, so what's cool is delivery is obviously helping me 
deliver this. I'll be delivering it to um, it's Australia, Singapore, Hong Kong, Kuwait, and UAE. Oh shit, that's yeah. sick! That's awesome! Man. Yeah, congratulations! I'm so excited. So we so we announced it officially today on our you know we have our team huddle, which is across the, all of UAE and Kuwait, and I got the chance to say, hey, this is what I'm doing. Got really excited, and I think I already got like 20 people signed up, which is you know to start. Um, but hopefully, you know. I'm, I was happy with anyone who wants yeah, to hear yeah, me talk all this stuff yeah. for an hour. But uh, I think I think it's really cool is is also seeing it's very interesting to see who comes to these because like you'll see people you don't expect. Really? Uh, yeah, like it's not like I don't I don't know. Maybe in my head it's like, oh, it's only gonna be people who are like really into their, Sorry, their yeah, fitness. Yeah, yeah. But like which is great, but I find it a lot more satisfying the person is like, I'm lost, please help me. Mm. I need your help. Right, like I'm, I'm in a point where like I don't want to go to gym. I feel so like self-conscious, like, and I think sometimes you get some people that again, it's that kind of stereotype, like oh, I wouldn't expect that person, but then you're like, that's fucking epic. Like this is this is this is why I want to do this. Like I can really help people like that, and I know the profound effect this kind of stuff can have. I've always casually helped people and I've given them my feedback. So yeah, to answer the initial question, what the plan is launchedwelled.org so it's well-ed.org yep. um, and the idea is I'm just going to keep adding one or two articles a week if people have suggestions and they want to know a bit more like my cousin Pietro he's purely a runner and actually wrote the kettlebell oh, really? thing kind of for him to like because mm -hmm. he wants to do a bit more strength but he asked me like okay can we talk about strength and holistic a holistic routine for endurance trainers so like if anyone has stuff they want me to write about send it over and also like even some like easy cont contemplative stuff like it doesn't have to purely always be about training sleep nutrition it can just be like thoughts i want to get to a point where it's like again it's an ecosystem like yeah, even the website's exactly. an ecosystem course, it's kind of yeah. like okay he's a thinker like there's the philosophical th thought of, of the week or the month sure um so so yeah, in terms of where I want to see this go, like I mean, first and foremost, use Deliveroo as, as a launching pad and and to to have, you know, live test subjects. Ideally, this is the first series, and I can start building out sessions of very specialized, right? You know, sessions purely dedicated like to, st to that. stress busting. Mm -hmm. And I think naturally, what you see with these sessions, I noticed when I gave the resilience workshop, is. There's just certain elements that naturally a lot more people are interested in. Like, like, you know, say you have 10 questions, you'll be like, okay, eight out of the 10 were on this subject. So this is worth doing a session on its own. Sure, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, listen, I think, um, obviously, I mean, if you told me eventually I can monetize this and this becomes my career is basically helping people and you can really innovate, right? I mean, you can... You're not just a blog and like an online coach. You can start doing ebooks. You can start creating uh, all sorts of other other things. You like know, programs one that, and stuff. Right? Exactly yeah, right. Yeah. And and I think um, you know you can get a lot of different certifications that make you. You know, there's some things I will put my hand up. I cannot tell someone what to do. I'm not certified. I can tell them what I know and the direction. Some things I'm a lot more comfortable doing. Um, but yeah, I, I just think I just want to see this grow and see where it goes, frankly. Uh, I think it's got legs. Um, very excited about it, clearly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can tell. Um, but I think it's really good timing in the world right now. I think we need a bigger focus towards wellness and balance. And, and I think we've lost a lot of it, but it's also been very revealing in this time that like it's forced. COVID's been binary for, for health and wellness. 
people have either gone off the rails and stopped caring and like they've just been like oh screw it or like oh you know i think initially the way it started was this will only last a few weeks yeah yeah and then people go into that rut and just never got out frank honestly i think yeah. that's what it was yeah, yeah for me that was a big mindset like the week it happened i told myself this is going to be going on till christmas i told myself that when care if it's earlier to it's bonus but i was like this is going on till christmas prepare yourself and tweak your routine accordingly yeah um so so yeah i think it's got legs i think it can be impactful yeah um and uh yeah also keep, keep you in the loop on on how that goes yes please do but please yeah do. Ne- next wednesday i'm doing the first the first one. Oh, i'm curious yeah, yeah. please let me know how that goes yeah man. absolutely um first of all i love the vision behind it you know it's yeah. about again like just what i'm trying to do with the podcast and like my coaching what you're trying to do is all about just helping people in whatever you know where you can your area specialty is like leadership fitness training and so on and mine is like coaching and like podcasting for example and it's all about what i've learned and i spoke with this on a friend last week on the podcast when you have a cause that's in service of people you'd be surprised how how things start to just somehow fall into place you know <laughs> mm-hmm. what i mean so that's why this i love the idea behind this initiative but something that we talked about uh, on one of our whatsapp conversations is how i felt when i was starting the podcast and now that i'm starting my coaching which was the and you were feeling it as well which is this imposter syndrome you know what I mean? yeah yeah so how do we and from i guess from your perspective how do we start to like not be, not not believe those thoughts you know that oh i'm not worthy enough to deliver a course i'm not worthy yeah. enough to be writing you know this kind of articles how do we start changing that gosh million dollar question right no i think <laughs> yeah for sure i mean you're being realistic i think like yeah. you, you need to be honest right like i i think one thing i don't like about the industry again as well is like you know you see these people who are like bloggers and influencers and you like read the stuff they write in their photos and it's just like staged and i'm like you guys are full of shit Right, like I—that's what I hate about the industry, and I don't want to be that person. I think it starts a lot with honesty, right? So, like, this is the level I'm at, right? I'm not gonna be someone who says I'm ready to coach a Fortune 500 CEO. No, I'm not there yet, but like, I'm I'm good up to like a you know, probably like a manager level or someone within this field. That's where where my comfort zone is, and so I think you need to feel a little bit uncomfortable. Back yourself, like you're doing this for a reason. You've been able to set it up and clearly as much as there's going to be people who know more than you, there's also going to be a lot of people who don't know as much as you, right? I think you, you guys touched upon that in the podcast. In fact, I think you said exactly that. But <laughs> And I think that resonated with me a lot. And I think, again, just being transparent. So like you're, you're coaching within your limits, right? Like I'm not walking into a quantum physics class with like a, like, <laughs> a calculus degree. Yeah. Like, so uh, open your pages. To, <laughs> it's it's very like, this is this is where my comfort zone is. And, and the thing is, again, you trust the process and you're naturally learning and adding stuff to your arsenal. Yeah. You're going to become bigger and better, right? And that's not just... I physically know about material, but how do you deliver the material? How do you exactly. impact people? Yeah. Like it's that's a skill in itself, presenting, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think realizing where your comfort level is, I think that's the best place to start. Uh, but also, like you know, you're gonna be a little bit of an imposter. Yeah. You're gonna, you, you are right? gonna, like, like you said, you are gonna feel that on, um, uh, like discomfort. Yeah. But I guess, like you said, it's part of it. And what I think is a really good point you made is. Just be, I guess, transparent with yourself. Be honest with yep. yourself about where you are in this process. And like you said, be authentic. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what's going to carry you through, I guess, in, in the long term. Yeah. I th- listen, I think the beauty beauty about this as well is um, this is your material, right? Like, this is stuff that you, me and you are coming up with. Okay. 
coming up with I didn't come up with the fact that sleep's important but the thing is how we're packaging it the fact that like my vision my framework Mm. this is my stuff this is not like wow there's an established framework out there um, and I'm gonna go and present this it's like this is what I've put together and I also think there's an element of well you've put enough time to put it together and learn about it and also no one knows your framework and your way of looking at something as well as you do because that's the that's essentially what we're talking about here that's the most difficult thing is how do you this vision that you and i have like you know i know exactly this ecosystem that i'm trying to explain and that's what scares me most i think now not so much being an imposter i'm like i really i'm scared that people leave the session and have not really grasped that vision i've not been able to tell the story mm, and i okay. think that's super important right i think yeah. you need to really focus on mastering that um, and then feedback, right? We talked about it, right? Just being comfortable, and that's also what I like about giving these to Deliveroo. Like, I've got a great relationship with with, with the team, uh, the people who are going to be in the session. Some people also I won't know, and they'll they'll give me super hard feedback, right? Um, Edwin killed me, this guy, the first few times I showed him uh, the the presentation. I mean, even though I showed him like two weeks ago, what I thought was a final iteration, he just tore it apart. And I was like, that was hard. But I was like, he made an amazing point. And I was like, yeah. okay. I mean, you can't fault it, right? Let, no, me, of let course. me add it in there. So. Yeah. I think, I think the best way, I think feedback, like you said, is crucial, you know, and I learned that over, over my like years working in like corporate and then like in startups. Um, I always, I learned like for me feedback, I always actually will go and ask for feedback, you know, after every recording, after any email, after whatever I've done, I always want feedback because whether it's not about whether I like it or not, I'm like, what are you going to tell me? Because I'm going to improve, Yeah. you know, and in every piece of feedback I get, I improve. Whether I agree with it or not, it's something that it's a new level of awareness. Maybe it's something that I haven't thought about before, or maybe something that I need to improve. So I win in all cases. That's, yeah. that's my, at least that's my vision for feedback. But like you correctly said earlier in the conversation, sometimes people really take it i think too personally and it's too yeah. the two it's like this is criticism this is an attack but that's yeah not really the case i think giving feedback is actually really tricky by the way it's something that again as a manager is the first time i've had to do and like i think you take it for granted it's like oh you know when you say oh my manager's not really giving me constructive feedback or like or not it's like flimsy feedback and like i have that like i have some people in the team where i'm i, I feel like i can give really constructive feedback with you know with good examples etc and then i actually struggle with other people on the team and it's not i don't know it's not a personal thing no, it's no. not even necessarily no, like no. a performance thing it's just like it, it is a skill as well yeah uh, and it's almost sometimes better to give no feedback than kind of like a flimsy okay not supporting this with any real evidence like what does that actually mean um Again, like, you know, now being on the other side as opposed to, oh, you know, like, never get proper feedback. <laughs> yeah. It's easier said. Easier said than Some, done. Yeah. But um, but that's also sometimes a sign, right? Like, if you've stopped getting feedback, it's like, okay, well, where do I go from here? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Because one, one of the companies I worked for, we were selling a, a feedback tool, an engagement tool. So okay. It was um, the whole idea was this is to improve engagement without the company to improve people giving feedback. And I actually got feedback training, which is something that I never thought I needed or would want. But when you go through the training, you what was cool about it is that it gives you a very specific framework of how Mm -hmm. to give it in terms of timing. What are the observations when to give it, how to give it, what kind of setting. So it's really interesting. So something like feedback training 
might be something that you'd find actually quite you know quite yeah, useful. Just yeah. getting a framework around it, I think, would help. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll pick that up with you. I mean, you can send me any, any yeah, material. Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's weird. Like, there's some feedback session I go into, and I, and I can't wait because I know I've got like it's gonna be a really fruitful conversation. And some I'm like, I feel like a bit of a crappy manager. I'm like, I didn't feel like I was really able to mm. to deliver a time. But I think what's quite interesting, we, we actually did a feedback session with all well, all the teams like three weeks ago. Um. And there's a clear, and they kind of lay out, okay, personal strengths and then development areas. And then they kind of put like, they kind of gave you buckets yeah. that you would put for the development area. And obviously a lot of them was like, okay, hard skills, uh, soft skills, you know, negotiation. It could be like, you know, um, whatever, finance, finance individuals, I guess that would fall under hard skills, whatever, right? And it was actually one out of the four or five kind of, buckets they actually had one for for wellness and like uh balance mm. which for me on a personal level is quite interesting i think that's probably why the team has been so keen because now it was probably one of the hr like kpis and directors <laughs> yeah, yeah. i am completely fine with but it's it, it's also good because it shows the direction the company's going yeah uh and that was interesting to hear i mean i i some of the team you know i just let them tell me like what other areas you want to work on and like Again, some my own team saying you know, they want to work on their wellness, for instance. Um, that was a more structured and general feedback yeah. kind of yeah, system. Yeah. We've not really had anything like that in the past. But uh, but yeah, I mean, when you say you're doing great, just keep doing what you're doing. It's like, <laughs> oh, damn, I need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. So, uh, man, Eduardo, this has been a fantastic conversation, yeah. my man. I've really enjoyed it. For my last uh, two questions, sure. First is, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Oh man! Or it doesn't have to be. Maybe top two, top three. We can do that too. You know, it's quite funny now. There is this one saying in Italian that I know my uncle told me, and now it seems more relevant than ever. Which is, it goes da cose nascono cose, which literally means from from uh, from things things are born, right? So it's okay. like. Uh, just get started, right? And I think I, I suffer from this. I like, I'm my own enemy sometimes. And I think a lot of people are and you overthink things, right? It's just like, it's it's like, oh, but what if, like, oh, how I monetize this? Oh, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you're sure as hell I'm going to create a business with like, you know, nothing else, right? Yeah, like, like exactly. just start, right? Yeah. Just start and do something, right? And I think yeah. also related to that, when you're passionate about something, like you just got trust, that it's gonna it's gonna lead to something, and I think that's the second thing is just like just trust the process sometimes, and I think it's very this is harder to to get your head around when either you're young or you're going through like a dark time. And what I mean by that is the thing you need to fear most is stagnation, right? Just being stuck. Hundred percent. And just look back also at times where you felt like you were stuck. Um, but on the long term, you're progressing, you're building, right? You're building your skills. And those are the things that are going to carry you in the long term are going to kind of get there. So I think trust the process as well. But also, again, be brutally honest. If you really have been stagnant for, for that long, something needs to change, whether yeah. it's a new job, etc. cetera. Um, so, yeah, I guess those are the... Those are the best pieces of advice? Yeah. Okay. Gosh, I have to think about this. I'll, I'll WhatsApp you if I've got anything new. Yeah, yeah. You can add it to the notes. 100%. And for the last question, this is something I ask all my guests. Yeah. What's the message that you'd like people to take home with them today? Um, I think 
it's mainly be just be realistic with yourselves like you're you're only cheating yourself when you think you don't need enough sleep or like you're not taking care of your body because deep down like you know it so i think just be like candidly honest and but also realize that like it's super accessible to make big changes right um i mean food's the biggest one i'm not saying you go like everything's like super calorie counted etc but like just don't eat total shit the whole time right sleep 30 minutes more learn how to do like breathing exercises with like headspace app right like like just just realize it's a lot more accessible than you think and just be really honest and kind to yourself yeah because it's like life's too short and it's no way to live i've been on you know I, you know I'm, I'm i'm very blessed in many ways but like i look back how miserable and like and it was just so easy to fix. Like, it took some time, right? I mean, uh, it always does. <laughs> bronchitis and, and whatever. But uh, it's so doable, right? Yeah. Um, so, anyways, listen, I think hopefully um, the more I work on my material as well, and it will start impacting people. That's really why I started WellEd. So let's let's see, uh, like we said, that, that cose nascono cose, right? That cose nascono cose. Ah, perfect. Yeah, thank yeah, you. You must be half Italian. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Uh, so that's awesome man so just you know be real with yourself be kind to yourself and just start and see what comes exactly from it, right? exactly awesome man thank you so much for your time today Eduardo man I had a great time I really appreciate it thank you for having me my, my first uh, podcast that's good first yes. of many I hope yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes always welcome always welcome to everyone else uh, thanks so much for listening guys and as always hope it helps peace